Today, I would like to talk about anemia. I will address three types of anemia. The first type we will talk about will be iron anemia, the most common anemia in the world. We will also discuss anemia of chronic inflammation, which ties up our discussion from last week on inflammation. We will learn about red blood cells and how they help us to differentiate between the various types of anemia. And lastly, we will speak about anemia as a result of deficiency of folate and vitamin B12. This and much more on the Good Medicine Podcast. Welcome to the Good Medicine Podcast. During this series of podcasts, we will explore thought-provoking topics related to health and wellness and take a fresh look at how integration of modern medicine with ancient methods of healing are leading the pathway to better therapeutic strategies, yielding long-lasting positive results. That and much more on the Good Medicine Podcast with your host, Fernando Bernal. To recap last week's podcast, we said that inflammation was primarily of two types, acute inflammation and chronic inflammation. We spoke about how acute inflammation is important and how inflammation overall is a good thing. The problem is when it becomes chronic. We briefly spoke about the various types of labs that we can have our doctors request in order to see if we have chronic or systemic inflammation. And today I would like to continue by talking about inflammation that causes anemia or anemia of chronic inflammation, or chronic disease. This will be the first of perhaps a trilogy of podcasts on the subject of anemia. But first, as usual, let's define our terms. The word anemia is made up of two Greek words, a meaning without, or no, like asexual, atheist, atypical, apolitical, asymptomatic, and so on, meaning without or no, and hemia meaning blood, so together meaning without blood or no blood. Some say tired blood. Obviously, if we do not have blood, we die. So the meaning must mean more than just being without blood, and a better description, in my opinion, could be the quality of the blood. Does the blood have the constituents or ingredients that are needed to preserve life or to keep life with vitality? Anemia is the most common blood disorder, and according to the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, it affects more than 3 million Americans. In the world, 2.4 billion people have anemia, and there are over 400 types of anemia, with iron deficiency anemia being the most prevalent in the world, with anemia of inflammation or chronic disease as the second most type of anemia. One of the reasons why I want to speak about anemia of chronic inflammation, is that many of my patients bring me labs from their doctors that are showing that the person is anemic, and they cannot understand why, because they do eat a lot of red meat, they eat lots of foods that are rich in iron, and they're given supplements to replenish the iron storage. And they don't seem to be able to bring their iron levels up. And one possible reason could be that chronic inflammation is never taken under account as the root of that anemia. And as healthcare providers, we need to be sure to be able to differentiate between anemia that is the result of iron deficiency or anemia that is the result of chronic inflammation. Of course, we have anemia that is the result of a vitamin deficiency, copper deficiency, and perhaps in future episodes we'll discuss that. 
But for now, let's stick with the iron anemia and later into uh, folate and B12 type of anemia. As we go on, we will speak about the biomarkers that can tell us which one it is, which type of anemia. And perhaps you can ask your doctor to order those labs. To appreciate the meaning of anemia as without blood, we should first take a look at the component of blood that is implicated in anemia, that is the red blood cell. Like all the other cells in our body, like white cells, white blood cells, platelets, red blood cells are all made in the bone marrow. Hematopoietic stem cells are multipotent primitive cells that can develop into all types of blood cells, including white blood cells, platelets, and red blood cells. That's the magic or miracle of stem cells, to differentiate, which remains a mystery even today. Now, in the beginning of the production of red blood cells in the bone marrow, they are just like any other cell. They have a nucleus with DNA. They have all these little factories that make proteins, because we're going to need proteins later to carry iron and oxygen throughout the body. It has everything that any other cell has inside of them. However, as these red blood cells mature, they gradually begin to dispose of all this other content within the cell. And eventually the cell, the red blood cell, ends up with just one big protein called hemoglobin. And a group of enzymes, particularly the types used in making energy out of glucose or sugar, because red blood cells have to have glucose to make energy. And that protein, hemoglobin, is important, as we shall later learn when we speak about anemia. Also, red blood cells are not like other blood cells. The shape of a red blood cell is unique. The red blood cells have a shape that looks like a disc with a little concave area in the middle, like a donut without a hole. It has a tough membrane, a wall membrane. You may recall in our cholesterol podcast that we talked about the cell's membrane made out of cholesterol and different phospholipids. Red blood cells are like that, but their membrane is very strong and very pliable. And this is out of necessity because the red blood cells have to travel uh, through all these different blood vessels, tiny little blood vessels, and squeeze their way through this whole matrix of capillaries, arteries, venules, and veins, a microvascular network. And they do this in an effort to deliver nutrients and oxygen to the tissues. And also they do it for about 120 days, about four months. And that is really the main purpose of red blood cells to deliver oxygen to the tissues. They also carry carbon dioxide back to the lungs to exchange for oxygen. But that's it. Now get this. This blows my mind. Approximately 2.4 million new red blood cells are produced in human adults per second. <laughs> Since we started this conversation, what, about 10 minutes ago? Do the math. Never mind. I did it for you that around 1,440,000,000 red blood cells that a bone marrow has produced since we started this podcast. That is totally incomprehensible to me. I can't fathom that. Now, here's a little trivia for you. The body has around 60,000 miles of blood vessels. So if you took all the blood vessels, arteries, veins, capillaries, and put them all together in a straight line, it will be around 60,000 miles, and that's enough to go around the planet 
at least twice. But it only takes, now get this, it only takes about 20 seconds for one red blood cell to travel through this whole distance. Imagine, if you will, that our cardiovascular system was like an amusement park, and you took a ride on one of these red blood cells. The heart pumps you right out, and you travel through this whole 60,000 miles in 20 seconds. What a ride! (laughs) And you do that for 120 days, because that's how long a red blood cell lasts. And then, after that, they get broken down by the spleen and macrophages, the type of white blood cells, into their individual constituents. Iron is reused, and the proteins in the all red blood cells are reused. You see, the body is a great scavenger, the master at rehabbing. This is phenomenal. Now, as we said earlier, the main purpose of red blood cells is to deliver oxygen to the tissues and organs and to transport carbon dioxide back to the lungs. And this is where that big protein we call hemoglobin comes into play. Now, Again, let's define our terms. The word hemoglobin comes from two Greek words. Originally, it was called hematinoglobulin, and that's from hematin, an ancient Greek word that means blood, and globulin from the Latin that means a ball or a sphere. And some translate that word as blood grains. On a sidebar, we know that all energy on earth for life comes from the sun. And that that process is mediated through photosynthesis by way of the chlorophyll in plants. Chlorophyll takes the light from the sun and converts it into energy. That energy is used to take water and carbon dioxide and make glucose or sugar, carbohydrates, which is then stored as starch, the end product of this process. The waste of this cycle is oxygen, Of course, we know that oxygen is what we as humans and mammals on Earth need to survive. We discussed earlier the structure of hemoglobin. We said that hemoglobin is made out of two parts, the heme, meaning blood in the Greek language, and the globulin, which is a protein itself, in which the heme is embedded. Interestingly, the structure of chlorophyll, the green pigment responsible for photosynthesis, is almost identical to the structure of heme in hemoglobin. The main difference is that chlorophyll uses magnesium as the main atom to make the photosynthesis process, while heme in hemoglobin uses iron. You see where we're going now with iron and anemia? It is to this iron in heme that the waste product of chlorophyll, oxygen, is attached to and eventually permeates every cell in our bodies to keep us alive. And how? Well, that oxygen that was attached to the heme is used in the final step of in our cells that converts the sugar that plants made through chlorophyll into energy so that all our organs, tissues, and life as we know it can continue. That energy we call ATP, adenosine triphosphate, ATP. Now, the waste byproduct of our whole metabolism is carbon dioxide and water which in turn returns to the plants to continue the cycle. So between chlorophyll in plants and heme in mammals, we have a link to keep life on Earth as we know it. So even if you're a carnivorous second consumer, you know, primary consumers eat only plants. They are herbivores, uh, like uh, rabbits, cows, sheep, and deer, for example. While secondary consumers may be omnivorous, they eat everything, 
or carnivorous, eat only meat. And of course, we have humans that are primary consumers like vegetarians or the more strict vegan. But regardless of your diet preferences, at the end of the day, chlorophyll and heme and hemoglobin links us all in the food chain. I just thought I'd give you a sidebar. To further help us appreciate the role of the hemoglobin and its iron and oxygen content and the role vitamins play in the development of anemia, it would behoove us to take a look at the red blood cells from a complete blood count. So when a doctor orders a complete blood count, it would include all the red blood cells, all the white blood cells, and hopefully with differential meaning that it will tell you the number of monocytes, lymphocytes, neutrophils, eosinophils, basophils, and so on. And that actually helps determine whether if someone has an infection, whether it is a viral or whether it is bacterial. But that's another story. But for our discussion, what is important now is what is known as the red blood cells indices. And this will give us an idea on how to interpret our labs. You see, I think that each and every one of us should have some basic understanding of what's in our blood and how to interpret the labs. It's not that complicated. We just need to understand some of the jargon, some of the terminology, and what the numbers represent, and have an idea of what optimum values are. And that will be, again, something for a future uh, podcast that I intend to share with you in the coming days. But to continue, to determine if we have anemia or, or what type of anemia we may have, red blood cells are categorized in four uh, different patterns. One is called MCV, and that stands for mean corpuscular volume. What that really means is the size of the red blood cells. And as you will see later on, the size of the red blood cell can give us an idea whether we have iron deficiency anemia or vitamin anemia, usually like folate or B12, or perhaps anemia of chronic disease. The size of the red blood cells, the MCV, is usually measured in fenton liters, which is like a very minuscule size in a sample of blood. So depending on the size of the red blood cells, the MCV, the mean corpuscular, corpuscular coming from corpuscle, meaning little body, anemia can be classified if the red blood cell is smaller than it should be. It is called microcytic anemia, micro meaning small and cytic meaning cell. If the red blood cell is of the proper size, but yet the person is still anemic, that is called normocytic anemia. And if the cell is bigger than it should be, then it's called macrocytic anemia. And each one of these types of anemia have a root cause, which we will discuss later. Next we have on the indexes, we have the MCH, and that means mean corpuscular hemoglobin. How much hemoglobin is in each cell, measured usually in picograms. And then finally we have uh, the MCHC, which means mean corpuscular hemoglobin concentration, and that is usually measured in grams per deciliter. So these indices of the red blood cells, the mean 
corpuscular hemoglobin and the mean corpuscular hemoglobin concentration. When we see their sizes and the amount of hemoglobin in each one of them, we can then make a better assessment of the type of anemia that the patient may be suffering from. Red blood cells containing the normal amount of hemoglobin, normal MCHC, are called normochromic. When the MCH is abnormally low, they're called hypochromic. And when the MCH, the mean corpuscular hemoglobin concentration, is abnormally high, it's called hyperchromic. These terms are used together to describe different forms of anemia. And the reason why they're called normochromic or hypochromic or hyperchromic is because chromic, you know, means color. And it is the iron in the heme part of the hemoglobin protein. When it mixes with oxygen, it turns red. It gives the blood its color. So hypochromic anemia means that there isn't sufficient hemoglobin to give the red color to the blood. Normal chromic, on the other hand, is a red blood cell that has the normal amount of hemoglobin to give it a reddish color that indicates sufficient hemoglobin. Of course, one can still have anemia and have proper concentration of hemoglobin. And if it is hyperchromic, it means that the cell is of abnormal size and contains too much hemoglobin. So there are big cells that have too much hemoglobin, usually from a deficiency of vitamins B12, folate. So when we put together all of these indices, the mean corpuscular volume, the mean corpuscular hemoglobin, and the mean corpuscular hemoglobin concentration, we can then determine whether a person has, according to the labs, the indices in the labs, we can then determine whether the patient has microcytic hypochromic anemia, as the name suggests, is a type of anemia in which the red blood cells are smaller than usual and the amount of hemoglobin is low. So it's hypochromic, they're pale. You know, sometimes you look in the, in the eye, you pull the eyelid down and you see that it looks kind of pale. Or you pull the, the lower lip down and you see that it's kind of pale. And that's because there isn't sufficient hemoglobin to give the blood the reddish color. Likewise, if a cell is the right size and it has the right amount of hemoglobin, but yet the person is anemic, that will be called normocytic, normochromic anemia. And of course, if a person has large red blood cells and a lot of hemoglobin, that will be called macrocytic, hyperchromic anemia. And again, all these types of anemia have a root cause, whether it's a deficiency of a vitamin or whether it's caused by chronic inflammation or iron deficiency, and we will cover each one of them as we move along. I thank you for listening. I will continue on this topic next week because it is a, uh, an important topic. Anemia is very prevalent, and if we can learn to appreciate the labs, what they are, what they are telling us, we can then take steps to correct the underlying cause for the, whatever type of anemia we may be suffering from. If you have any questions regarding your own labs, feel free to give us a call at 904-806-7123. I also have a lot of literature on our website regarding blood chemistry analysis. Check it out at fernandobernal.com or thegoodmedicinepodcast.com. And remember, anything that I say here is all for educational purposes and does not give a diagnosis of any type. 
you are encouraged to always check with your doctor. I thank you again. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Good Medicine Podcast. To learn more about our practice, see us on the web at thegoodmedicinepodcast.com or call us at 904-806-7123. That's 904-806-7123. Thank you for listening.